Hello and welcome to the Swift the SBS podcast. Restrictions across the country have made life a little harder for most. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Swift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore, like the new Japan-inspired Mercury Islands, my personal favorite, and the UCI World Championship courses. Riding with friends makes the training easier, and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, and of course, subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central. And you can also log a ride with our friends at Zwift joining me. And before we introduce Dave McKenzie, it's Gracie Elvin. She's with us. Uh, how are you, Gracie? I'm going well, thanks. How are you guys? Very good, very good. And of course, Dave McKenzie is with us as well. I'm pretty good. Uh, uh, Yeah, hello to you. Hello, Gracie. Uh, Now... Matty Keenan said last night, he, he watched the pod yesterday. He did, said, he, did he? Did he? He said, <laughs> I cried too. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't the only one. <laughs> Just letting you know. Did you get a bit of slack on social media or not? Or? <laughs> no, no. no. See, it was is, touching. I was seeing was touching. People like love that. They love seeing a man cry on live TV. So. Uh, you made me cry. Chloe made me cry and then you made me cry all over again. How good was it? I mean, I don't, let's let's yeah. just rehash it for a moment, Gracie. It was, and the, I think the bit that got to me was the fact that she talked about how lonely she was away from her, her parents. Her parents couldn't come over; she couldn't go there. And you know what it's like, just as an athlete, it's it's tough at the best of times. But she is a star, isn't she? Yeah, look, I, I'm a massive Chloe fan, but she's actually a close friend of mine and I've tried to touch base with her as much as I can with her being over there and her parents really wanted her to come home and I was even encouraging her to come home and maybe just relax and come and do some bikepacking, but she was, you know, really steadfast in her decision to stay there and, and see if she could make those last season races and, you know, it, it paid off. I'm really happy for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I sure. think, I think she touched everyone. And from what she said, he spoke to pretty much every Australian in the, maybe not WX, they're not in lockdown. Uh, but, uh, anybody yeah, they else? Went, they went, what? <laughs> What's what, going on? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the news? <laughs> but, uh, we're joking, WA, by the way. Uh, but this is, this was the thing. It was really touching. Yeah, was okay. Let's talk about, uh, the race and the stage yesterday. Uh, First mountain top finish for the Vuelta, uh, rate of one to ten. How did you enjoy it? Uh, oh, G ten, ten. I think so. And I, like, I think what was great about it was that the Giro d'Italia had a fifty percent strike weight rate of breakaways yep. surviving or more. I think the Tour de France had almost a fifty percent, which is hard to believe, but they did. The trend continued overnight with the yep. Vuelta. The break went. They went early. Ken, I, I lo- you know, I love to, I love to get it right, and I said <laughs> ninety kilometers to go. You know, tentatively, I said I think they can survive. They need everything to go their way, but they can. And look, in the end, they only just, but it was, it was. Do, good. do you have your little chit chat with Kino or Ophir going? I'm thinking this. I'm thinking that. I'm right. And after that, you go, I was right. Well, no, no. Once we're, <laughs> once we're on air, you can't. We can't hear with the Volta because we're commentating to the tracker. Mm. So there's no ad breaks. Okay. So we can't sort of mute and talk. Otherwise, no one's commentating at all. So you just, you have to go with it. And if you disagree on air and the other one's right, you just go, well, touche. <laughs> uh, Rain Tarame. 
Uh, we, I, I really like him. I really like the attitude he had on the race. Uh, can you recap a little bit of what happened and how he went on winning this stage? Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, like, I, I love an under, I love an underdog. He's not not so much an underdog from the break, but I love seeing, you know, not necessarily the big stars win all the time. You want yeah. to see these and the smaller teams. I love seeing that. He's 34. The last time he won a Volta stage was 10 years ago. So that is impressive in itself. Not only with it, he got the bonus. There was a bonus at the end. For yeah. Just about anyone from that break, if they could survive, was the leader's red jersey because they were all within striking distance. And what is really cool about it is, and this is just a you know one of those useless sort of stats, <laughs> the same team who we interviewed, Valerio Piva. Correct. By the way, he's turning out to be a genius yep. as a director sportive. They won the third stage of the Giro. Correct. They won the third, third stage of the Vuelta. And guess who was in the car calling the shots? Yeah, him. Same guy. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you make of that stage, uh, Gracie? Yeah, it's fantastic to see a smaller team take the win and take the red jersey. Um, he hasn't really had a big result for five years. And, you know, like Maka said, that stage win at the Vuelta was 10 years ago. So he's had quite a lengthy career already. But it's cool to see someone, you know, being persistent, putting in the hard yards and, you, you have to imagine that means a lot to a team that's only just gone well to what do you guys think about that team so far? It's, yeah, I mean, it's that classic thing, you know, you know, Gracie, as well as I do, it's um, especially the smaller teams, they, they're not, they're not aiming for 20 wins a year, are they? They're, if they can get four or five small ones, great. It'll keep the sponsor happy, but you get two stage wins of a grand tour. And I mean, that, Jersey. And the leader's jersey. I mean, you can suddenly go back to to the sponsors, Wanty Gobert, you know, the 10 other names they've got on that yeah, jersey, because yeah. they have, and I'm not trying to be, be smug about, you know, they, they're that a That jersey looks sport. almost Italian jersey. You know, like where they've oh, got I, adverts everywhere. They my favourite jerseys as a kid. As a teenager, <laughs> I wanted the jersey with 15 names on them. Little did I know that they're, they're the teams that struggle. But it's important, isn't it, Gracie? That's, these victories are paramount to the small teams and that can potentially sign your sponsors on your current ones for another five years yeah definitely i think they actually have something like 30 belgian sponsors and they have 10 belgian riders on that team so it's cool that they're trying to stay true to their roots um they've got some great signings this year but um getting two grand tour stage wins is a pretty big deal yeah, yeah, it's it's hundred cool. percent. Okay, let's listen from the winner of the stage yesterday and the new leader of the Vuelta, Rain Tarame. After your first win at La Vuelta, you're here again. Did you expect it? Uh, actually, yes, because uh, I have quite good shape and uh, I have very smart sport director Valerio Piva. And uh, yesterday evening we speak that we try to win stage and uh, try to take leader jersey. From the breakaway group, when did you think you could win? Actually, I believe it really much myself today because, like I said, I'm in the good shape. Uh, today was all about if peloton catches or not. Uh, and... Uh, when I see that we we gonna do it, then I have questions. How good is Joe Dombrowski and uh, Kenny Ellison? Uh, but all others, they was really good riders. But Kenny and uh, Joe, I know they are really big quality. So I don't know if I can beat them. 
but I believe it because I already did it many times. So when I in stage in Giro, Joey was uh, third. He was up there with me, and uh, now we fighting again each other. So I le- I believe really much today myself. And not only you are the winner, but you are leading La Vuelta. How big is that? Yeah, it's very big because I'm 34 years old and uh, I don't have many years to left to to try to do this. And uh, actually I've been staging Vuelta and Giro, but uh, I dream a lot about leader jersey in the big tour. At least for some days, enjoy and feel how how it's gonna be. I was so close in Giro this year when I actually Joe Dombrowski in the stage, uh, but uh, it was hard stage and in Giro I was quite empty at end. But today I did it. I'm very very happy. Very well done. Thank you. Uh, and so he can be very happy. There's a lot to unpack from this interview because I wanted to play the whole interview. Normally we sort of chop chop some of some of the, the comments, but this is important in so many points. Yeah, and th- there is. There's a there's a few real elements to it. One totally interesting one is the fact that when he Taramay won his uh let me get this right, his Giro stage win, yep. Dombrowski was third. He was second to him overnight. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This is, and this, we're talking a five-year gap. Yeah, uh, he, he's won. A, he's now won three stage wins. Take the jersey away, strip the team away. Rain Tarame is world class. Yeah, and then we can it, see it, on, on on this footage here. He actually means a lot to yeah, him. Yeah. We know how much he means to the team. But look at him. Look at him now. This it's he's spent, but he's also happy. Yeah, he, I mean, you know, look at this, like. How many riders, you know, how many riders win three Grand Tour stage wins? I know we talk about Caleb yeah. Ewan and these athletes that are multiples, but Gracie, you know, again, it's 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 rare, really, for for most for most mere mortals, professional cyclists, men or women, you get one or two victories, big ones in your career, uh, anywhere in the world, you've succeeded. Rain Taramay's won three Grand Tour stages now, and he's got the leaders' jersey. That tops out his career if nothing else yeah that is really impressive and not that many people get to do it at that grand tour level and what i really like which is really special and and not even even more rare is what i'm trying to say is when you get to wear a leader's jersey um i didn't get to wear that many leaders jerseys in any categories in my career and whenever i did it was such a nice feeling and you get to line up at the front of the bunch the next day and and you would have had a a few leaders jerseys macker in your time it's it's a pretty cool feeling isn't it none no bugger all <laughs> <laughs> i got a at least a couple <laughs> i've got a 50 meter swim uh certificate thank you but you're right actually in what you're saying gracie because yeah there's the win you got the evening you know going on there's the celebration and so on but by wearing the leader's jersey the next day the whole day Someone like them and their team, they remember what they did the day before, the night before, and they can be even prouder the next day. This is the thing. If we uh, talk about Kenny Ellison now, because in that breakaway, there was Kalmajan and Ellison. How did you rate that performance by Kenny Ellison? He was not far from actually winning. And we, we knew at that point that whoever won that stage gra- would grab the leader's jersey. That would have been cool for Trek, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... and- I like Kenny Ellison. Yeah, he's good. I, I, I was saying in the comms, I met Kenny 
Um, I met him when he was a last-minute replacement. He was actually out training, I think, on the Gold Coast, yeah. believe it or not, with Chris Froome. And he had to either replace Froomey or one of the riders at Tour Down Under who, who crashed or got sick. And so he was in Australia already. So I met him in Australia over that two-month period and he raced the Sun Tour. He's a bubbly, happy... He seems that way to me anyway, yeah. a really friendly sort of guy. Um, what I find funny, though, is you, you Googled him and you said... <laughs> when, you Google, story. when you Google Kenny Ellison, the first thing that drops up in the menu is Kenny Ellison's size. Because <laughs> we think he's tiny. But in reality, he is, he's actually. He is tiny. But in reality, he's 1.69 meters, so he's not that tiny. He's shorter he's, than me. He, <laughs> but he's not the shortest of the peloton, actually. And his uh, weight, what is he? 50, 52 kilograms. 52 kilograms. For so, a guy, yeah. a climber or non, that's that's actually yeah. pretty damn light. But it's it? funny that in Google, people go, "How small is this guy? How small is this?" <laughs> They're guy? sitting there watching the race. <laughs> How tall do you reckon he is? <laughs> well, how short he is? Anyway, let's listen from Kenny Ellison. Kenny. A brutal effort, but uh, a great effort. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Greggy and uh, Popo like two days ago. I was keen to try to go for this stage because uh, early on uh, there were possibilities uh, GC team tried to give the jersey away or at least uh, not controlling for 200k, you know. And when they settled me Edwin, I was like, hmm, maybe the, the, team, the GC team don't want to give them that. And yeah, I wanted to try to go for the win, but today uh, I, I found uh, some, somebody stronger. It was a very, very tough uh, climb at the finish. Yeah, it is. It was also all the headwind. Uh, the breakaway cooperated pretty well, but it was still hard with the headwind. But uh, yeah, third place, uh, again, uh, third place. But we will try to, to win a stage here for sure. Uh, today I had the opportunity to do it because uh, we, we have also Blank Bombi, Wempe, stronger team to back up Chico, so then uh, we will have more chance, I think. Whew, okay, the reason why I wanted to play this grab as well is how crazy is this race? Have you seen the chaos around the rider, behind, the wind, everyone shouting, there's a dude coming in going, Ooh, I'm in the frame. <laughs> this sort of, is, is that what the Vuelta is? Well, it's, I think it's, it's nations, isn't it? It's, Gracie, you've lived and you've raced in Spain, obviously. Um, there's a difference, isn't there? I look at the Vuelta really as a commentator. I never raced it. But compared to the Tour de France, at the start and even at the finish line of the Vuelta early on before the crowds get there, you look around and you're like, this could be the Herald Sun Tour. Yeah. This could be. <laughs> yet it's the and third. it's no disrespect for the Herald Sun Tour, but it's not the same budget. No, no that's right. <laughs> it's the third biggest bike race in the world. Yeah. Do you find that, do you see the same, Gracie, and, and I guess even in the women's peloton with the biggest women's race down to, you know, maybe the second or third biggest race, but the drop-off is quite different in terms of protocol and there's less barriers, there's less security. It's a bit chaotic, isn't it? Yeah, that's for sure. I think it's more to do with countries, like you said. Like, um, for sure, the the level of race makes a difference, but where you are makes a big difference too. And the Spanish are really relaxed. They love to come and cheer and they're always on on the climbs going, venga, 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 and then they're at the finish. But it's really not threatening, even though they're kind of all in your face and they're everywhere, whereas say you're in Belgium, if they're up in your face, it's because they want it bitten or they want your gloves or they want the jersey off your back and they're being quite pushy about it. But in Spain, they just, you know, want to have a beer with you really, which is kind of fun. Um, 
So I think that it's cool that they can have that access to the writers. What do you guys think about that? Well, did you see that footage on the internet where I can't remember where it might have been at a Giro where there's a writer that's got a bidon in his mouth like this and he's just riding along. Oh. And then there's a spectator that comes in and go. Yeah, it, or he tried to. Yeah. Oh, he tried and to. The and writer, the writer, oh, yeah, the writer went. <laughs> yes, you're spot on, though. In Belgium and northern France. Sorry, mate. I'm, I'm throwing sorry, you I'm from Paris. Side. I'm not from the northern well, France. They want, they, want, they want to get your photo as an athlete. <laughs> they want to get your photo because they want to. They do the postcards. Yeah. You know, and they, they box them up. And it's, it's like, I mean, they're part of the reason why our sport exists and why our sport this is true. survives. So I'm not criticizing, but it is. It's such a different feel. And, and even Spain, Gracie, to Italy. Italy's more, yeah, they're more more intense, more full on, fast all the time. Where the Spanish, they talk fast, but in actual fact, they're just laid back and chilled, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. They're very chilled. They'll they'll talk a million miles at you, but there's never really any hurry, and they'll get there when they get there, and they'll pack up when they pack up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who was chill as well yesterday? And that's a bit bizarre. Primoz Roglic. After the after the stage, he got rid of that red jersey, and you can't. I mean, let, let's play the interview and we'll chat about it because you can't tell me he's not happy to have lost or gave that red jersey away. Let's listen to Primoz okay. Roglic. Uh, yeah, as you obviously see, we didn't care. Uh, it was more uh, our guys were riding all day, uh, and uh, they did a super great job. Uh, yeah. Ryan uh, took the jersey. Uh, yeah, uh, he was the strongest, so uh, yeah, he's uh, he's good for us. I'm happy. Uh. <laughs> I'm happy. Like I said, uh, there's uh, there's uh, going better with the time trials last time. So uh, yeah, I can still climb. Uh, it's nice to see. <laughs> no, it's always like I said. Uh, for us, doesn't really matter uh, if we fight for the win or uh, or not. We go a block uh, on the last climb, uh, and uh, yeah, it's not because of me. Because for me, it's fine. But uh, yeah, it's a race and. And uh, was hard, huh? definitely. It's a tough mountain. He's a lot more chill than when he's in that seat. Maybe he's Jean-Francois. Maybe he's got a bit of a, ooh, this guy is French. What are these questions well, he's asking me? What I've got to say, or what I'm going to say now is I'm having a bit of a dig at the journos here. Gracie, feel free to, you can, you can put your cyclist hat on. Now, not all of them are cycling journos, so I, I'll give a little bit of credit there. It's the obvious question. Yeah. Are you happy to lose the jersey? Of course he is. 110% he is but happy we, to lose we, it. Will or should he admit this by respect for the race? No, I, think, it, I yeah. think let's not skirt around it. Let's just say Rain Tarnay will not win the Vuelta. But are the riders worried about not showing respect to the race? So this is why they're not... Sometimes they're you know, a bit... Like, I'm question for no, you, Gracie. Know, what, yeah. uh, what do you think? <laughs> are, are they sometimes too politically correct? Where... Clearly, you can even see with a mask in his eyes without talking that he's happy he's not in red tonight. Yeah, when you've been in the box for, you know, five hours, you don't have that energy to give the perfect answer. And it's good to see people being honest on the finish line. Um, everyone knows how these tours work and what the tactics were that day. And I don't think he was being disrespectful Um they didn't exactly give it away that you still had to race for the win if you were up in that break. So, you know, it's it's good to see him being honest and being relaxed and, and say exactly what he thought. Yeah, and sometimes it's I feel like it's um, – and look, I try not to do it. There's a fine line, I get it, but it's like clickbait. They're looking for the clickbait answer so they can do a headline, Roglic happy to lose leader's jersey. You know, I just, I sort of, I'd like to think our sport can be bigger than that. And I'm not saying, I'm not turning 
this into something because I haven't read any of the headlines, but I feel sometimes that's what some of these journos are looking for, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of their job, unfortunately. They are trying to get the hits on their websites and their social media. So you kind of, as an athlete, you just have to roll with it a little bit, give them a little bit of, um, I don't know, something tasty for them but not go over the top. And that's a really tough line to um, try not to cross as an athlete. Hey, athlete, athlete. Journalist. No, mate. No, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm 15 years across that fence, I can tell you. And yeah. the fence is a long way away. And look, the other side of it is we're very fortunate here at SBS with our massive viewership. Um, we don't need to create clickbait, do we? Clickbait comes to us. Yeah, it comes to <laughs> us. <laughs> clickbait comes to us because he needs exposure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's look at uh, the uh, actual ranking uh, of uh, this uh, Vuelta right now. So, uh, Tarame is in the leader's position. Uh, we've got Dombrowski uh, second and Kenny Ellison third. And Primoz Roglic drops to seventh. And uh, you still have Adam Yates. He's still in the Adam top Yates eight. had a good day. Yeah. yeah, he had a good day yesterday. Do you know who didn't? Carapaz. Yeah, sort of not surprising. It's pretty taxing. Uh, like, I, I think I actually, in, in one of my tipping comps, I put Carapaz to finish on the podium. I think I blew that, Gracie. I should have known better, shouldn't I? I mean, he's had a big season. Tour de France, backed it up with the Olympic Games, gold medal, so success. It's hard to get back up, isn't it, time after time, even though, you know, he prepped for the Tour and the Olympics. But... It's all been pretty close together, and sometimes your body's just not going to give you what you expect from it. Yeah, look, I don't think there's many people that can back up with such big events. Um, it's not surprising, and I don't think it's going to damage his credibility at all. I think he's going to be still a great support for Bernal and Yates. Um, we saw other riders losing time as well, so it just goes to show that the stresses of, of the season are, are starting to hit riders. You know, we have Seth Cuss as well, who's one of the main guys for Roglic, lose a lot of time. Um, lots of other GC guys as well, losing seconds and even minutes. Um, so it's not over till it's over. It's still three weeks, but it was certainly a, an interesting kind of GC tester yesterday, don't you think? Yeah, actually, and you you just made a good point, uh, Sepp Kuss losing time. The whole Yamba Visma team, they all got, well, no one was re with Roglic from about halfway up that climb. Do you think that is a just a little warning sign? I think Roglic has got good form, but do you think it's a warning sign for him and the team that maybe they just haven't got the troops to support him, you know, as they've done in the past in the big mountains? Yeah, it could be a warning sign. Um, some of those guys might just have been having a bad day and it's early days in the tour and they're not riding into it, but it's going to give confidence to other teams to keep finding those cracks. And, uh, you know, I think that there, there's going to be a few more testers then coming from some of the other rivals, um, particularly from Ineos. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. Let's look at the the the, the, the jerseys of uh, of this race so far. So, uh, Tarame is in red, Philipsen is in green, Ellison's got a pole cadet, and Bernal is the young rider, best young rider of the race. It's hard to believe he's still a young rider, <laughs> which is weird, but it's just he won the Tour de France, what, two years ago? He won the Giro d'Italia this year. Yep. He's in 11th place, by the way, so he lost no time. Yeah. He's on time, uh, as he has been since the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting. It's it's what I think is shaping up is a really good battle here, and we're not going to see one team dominate by yeah. you know 
riding this crazy tempo for three weeks yep. on the climbs, and yep. I think we're going to see a real even. It's going to be very interesting. Mano mano. But you know what? The day yesterday belonged to Wanty Intermarché, oh, yeah. and they celebrated in style. You've, every every Grand Tour, we sort of have a camera that goes and pop the champagne with them. Yes, we were with them yesterday. This is how it happened. The celebration at Vanti Intermarché. I am the man, but... But... No, but... You can have the legs, but if you don't have a good team who prepare you for this, it's not only last month trainings or three months trainings or... It's all the air, good training, good emotions. and Actually, I felt I'm really ready for this. For example, last year I was unhappy with my team and uh, no results. So, thank you for everybody. Thank you. Oh! Thank you. Thank you to uh, to this team, and it's good to 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 be there when they pop the champagne. Uh, Gracie, how sweet is the champagne after a victory uh, like this? And actually, how much can you drink? Because they all go for one glass. We never see them going for two or three. He went for like two or three glops on the bottle, but not more than this. How many do you think he should have or could have on a race like this? <laughs> yeah, good question. Usually you only pop one bottle for the celebratory, um, the cheers and the, the speech and all that, but sometimes you you have good staff that have, have a few bottles stashed away in the, the team bus fridge. So it really depends how big a drinkers the, the team really are. At the start of a tour, they're probably not going to be drinking much, maybe a glass or two. Back when I was racing, um, a lot of the female riders that I had as teammates didn't really drink at all. So I would make sure that the, the bottle wasn't wasted. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. That's actually that's actually disrespectful on their part, I think. Yeah, everyone has a bit of a sip. But... <laughs> the half-empty bottle. Is yeah, that right? exactly. <laughs> totally. Like, got to drink it. I mean, if, especially if it's good, if it's high quality. And knowing Jerry Ryan, he, he, Jerry, uh, he, he, never, um, he never went cheap on the, on the nice uh, celebration uh, uh, bubbles, did he? Uh, no, I've definitely had a few nice glasses of wine thanks to Jerry. Um, I'm sure you might have as well, Macca. Oh, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've um, bad wanged hop hopped at the start <laughs> of the, the winery tour in um, uh, Mitchelton. Of course, he owns the Mitchelton Winery. No, no, he's very, he's a very generous man. We all know that. Let's look at the stage tonight. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, it's one for the sprinters. Uh, question for both of you, actually. Uh, is that regular in a Vuelta to have mountain stage or sprinter stage, mountain stage, sprinter stage? Like they are spreading them in Tour de France, they more by blocks. Yeah. Uh, we, having said this, I think this year we had a few the, well, curves like this. changing. And yeah, from my, my opinion, 100%, it's classic Vuelta, I think. It's, and it's, I don't know if it's always been this way, but from, well, the years I've covered it and, and watched yeah. it more closely. It's pretty – it's anything goes, isn't it, Crazy? And this is why we sort of love the third Grand Tour of the year because it's sort of chaos. Yeah, that's right. Um, there doesn't seem to be too much of a, a plot to the, the Vuelta this year. Uh, I tried to do my own little 
um, notes and it just looks like a mess. I can't make sense of it. So I'm kind of just going stage by stage. And I think that's how a lot of the guys treat it too. They see them as one day races back to back, especially with the teams coming in for stage wins rather than for GC. So yeah, I think there's going to be quite a lot of winners in this year's tour, which is going to be cool to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see this is the stage uh, tonight on uh, SBS uh, Viceland and on the Tour Tracker, of course. We're going from El Burgo de Osma to uh, Molina de Aragon. I hope you like no, my sir, accent. I liked, I liked it. Yeah, I've been not revising bad for a Frenchman. 163 kilometers and 900 meters. Uh, sprinters, Michael Matthews all, away, all, all over? 100% sprinters. There's a little kicker at the finish. Gracie, this has got, I reckon it's got Michael written all over it, uh, just because, well, it's up his alley, but two, he's got good form, 400 metres, the last 400 metres at 5%. Is it enough for Michael, as in is it hard enough for him, or do you think he needs it to be a bit harder? Yeah, look, I picked him for the uh, prologue, so I'm just going to back him again until he wins a stage. So can I take him again for this stage? Who are you guys going to pick? Uh, I, well, I've picked him in my tipping comp, so but you can have him between but us. I've got a quick question here. This intermediate spray, uh, sprint, which is more or less a little bit more than halfway through the stage, how significant would this be? I, I, don't, I don't think Michael will go for that. He's, he's like, and I'm not trying to be negative, but do you think, Michael wants to finish the Vuelta or he's down to finish it? Or do you think he's here to just try and jag a couple of stages in the first 10 days? Yeah, I think he's looking for stage wins here rather than any kind of jersey, um, unlike the Tour. Um, I'd say he's looking towards um, Worlds Prep. I think in Flanders it can be suited to him. Um, so I think he's just going to look after himself and, and pull out when he starts to feel that heavy fatigue creeping in. Uh-huh. You're ah, spot on. Good point on this. Yeah, it's, well, it's true because the world's is actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. The world's is up his alley. And yeah. will will Alaphilippe defend the world? Is he a contender to defend this jersey in Flanders? Or you don't want to have that chat with me right oh, now, mate? It's too hard. Have you have you really? Do you know how he, he's he's trying to see where Alaphilippe lives? So he can buy a place no, in the I same know, village. I know where he lives now. I actually know the street. It's a little actually. bit freaky. <laughs> you know, we talk about those fans up north where they heckle you and sort of you, you can't even get out of your team car because they're tapping on the window. They want to get it. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> somewhere like this. Anyways, it was a pleasure. Uh, stage four on tonight. Any other news? You, there's stuff we, we yes, should be talking about. Yes. Yeah. Gracie, I think uh, we've got to chat about some stuff. And it's important because... I knew you were involved, but you're one of the founding members of the Cyclist Alliance, which is a, I guess for lack of a better term, a writer's union for female cyclists. Um, what can you tell us? What's the latest with the Cyclist Alliance? Yeah, we set up the Cyclist Alliance back in 2017 just with um, myself and two other ex-riders um, in the hope that we could provide support um, as an independent cycling union just for women's cycling because being part of the men's union didn't feel like it would um, really handle the problems of women's cycling and we took a few surveys and we had like 200 riders respond to the first couple of surveys and every year we do another survey just to capture kind of the story of women's cycling and, and see what changes 
Um, we've done a few already this year, and the latest results were about the legal and ethics side of things. And it's still interesting to see that about 80% of writers don't get any legal or contractual advice and they don't have a manager. So in men's cycling, I'd say most writers have a manager and they have someone to look over their contracts and um, sponsorship deals for them. But in women's cycling, they just have to do it themselves. Um, Maka, did you have an agent when you were a writer? You know what? I'm embarrassed. It's a good question. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't and I got one when it was too late because my, my team uh, went went bust at the beginning of the year. Basically, the money didn't exist. It was all sort of a pyramid scheme. And I suddenly got jolted. It hit me in the face that I needed, you know, I mm-hmm. needed a manager. And I had managers call me. I was sort of fortunate to a degree. It was the year before I'd actually won the stage in the Giro, so I'd had my best season. So I had a little bit of interest. But different era, completely different era. I mean, the other... The other part, though, Gracie, which we've discussed this on the show previously, um, and I think we need to make this point, there's a cyclist alliance, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also a, a, a CPA for women that is set up now, but it's effectively been set up by the UCI. That, that's correct, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strange setup with the CPA. Uh, It was just for men cycling for many years and it was representing countries. So you didn't um, become an individual member. You were kind of an automatic member if you were part of the bigger countries. Um, So Australia wasn't actually part of the CPA for a long time. Um, And then as we started with um, the Cyclist Alliance, they just decided to have a women's arm as well. So we decided definitely didn't want to partake in a popularity competition. We wanted to keep supporting the riders. Um, we've tried to seek out being officially recognised by the UCI as the only um, female union, but they have refused over many years. So we just keep doing the work and we want to complement what the CPA and the UCI are doing rather than fight against them because ultimately we're all in this together and we want to make women's cycling a bigger, better and safer sport. And you know, let, I'll I'll play the I'll be the bad cop here, mm-hmm. but let's remind everyone and again, Gracie. I'm sure you're more over this and than I am, or Christoph is as well. But the CPA's address is in the same town, which is a pretty small town in Switzerland, <laughs> which is a village, which is a village. It's not even a town; it's yeah. a village. I have been to that village, and it is small. <laughs> so yes, it is interesting that they are. They probably have lunch together quite regularly. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I'm sick of the fact that we hide behind, or, yeah. we, you know, it's like, well, let's not tippy tail around this. I think it's time we knock down the wall. And, and I'd say it because I, I've tried to keep up with the Cyclist Alliance and, and, you know, see what they're doing. And I think they're doing some great stuff. And, you know, we know, it goes without saying, women's uh, pro peloton have needed more support than the men's. By the way, the men's CPA, I reckon, do a lousy job. That's my opinion. I'm not sure if that's anyone else's. Yeah. I, I don't think they do enough support, so there's more can be done there. When do you think that – when do you think, if and when, or maybe not, the UCI will recognise the Cyclist Alliance? Probably never. Um that doesn't take away from the work that we do and and they do take a lot of our survey results for um, their own documentation and policy changes so they actually use us quite a lot which is interesting um, but you know we're not 
going to keep trying um, and using all of our resources to be recognised. We're going to put all of our resources into helping writers and we have a lot of viewers on this show and podcast that are actually TCA supporters and you can be a supporter member, not just a writer member. So that's a great way to help the TCA as well as women cycling in general. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's 100%. Very true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got one last question here. Uh, it's from Julie Porter. It's a bit going back to the to the race, but uh, uh, do you think Eagle Bernal is still suffering post-COVID? Oh, that's right. He had COVID. He had COVID. Yeah, uh, I, don't I don't think he's, he is because he's 11th in the race. He's looking good. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, I think he's, he's hiding his game, but... What what do you think? Is this something we should be uh, honestly, watching for or looking for? No, good question, Julie. But and to be really frank, I'm not the, I'm not a doctor, so I, no, I can, and I'm, I say that. Although he thinks he is, but that's okay. <laughs> it, like Christoph said, he's he's 11th overall, day three. He's looking pretty good to me. Yeah, everyone's kind of struggling with COVID in completely different ways. We saw Chloe taking four or five months out, and some riders just having the flu and coming back within a few weeks. So. You know, it's just something that you can't even speculate, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. And I'm agree. sure even the riders don't know themselves. Even even Bernal doesn't know himself. Well, well um, on that level. Chloe said in that interview, uh, she said she said I was physically quite fine. You know, yeah. She was obviously a little bit sick, but she said physically I wasn't that bad. But she was told to have, you know, because I think with Chloe, uh, Gracie, I don't think initially they sort of went, you're going to have four months off. It was sort of like, okay, let's have a month. And then it just sort of prolonged, didn't it? It wasn't planned. It just sort of happened. Yeah, um, a lot of people are getting different symptoms. And one of the symptoms and one of the most dangerous things that's happening to some people is that inflammation of the heart lining, um, getting myocarditis. Um, and that was something that they were monitoring with Chloe and a few other people that I've heard of this year. And that's really serious and you can't come back too quickly um, but you can come back if you've only had flu symptoms and your ECGs are coming back normal. So um, the good doctors and the good teams are, are doing a proper monitoring of all kind of parameters, and it's good to see teams like Trek taking it seriously and actually pulling back Chloe, who didn't feel that bad physically, but making sure that she was looking after her body for the long-term benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, pay off. We've opened with uh, Chloe Oskin, and we're closing this program with uh, Chloe Oskin. Thank you for joining us, Gracie. Yeah, thanks, guys. Nice to be here again. And uh, thank you, Micah, for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, what we'll time you on here, too? Uh, ooh, I'm pretty sure it's 10.40. 10.40. 10.40 on the tracker. I'm getting, well, I'm getting in before 10.40, but I'm pretty sure I hope sure you are. I hope you are. Thank you for joining in. Thank, Thank you. you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cycling central, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Next uh, episode of the Pol of the Vuelta podcast is, of course, tomorrow on the social media. You are watching us now or on the podcast 5.30 on SBS Facebook. See you then. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. Over the winter, all my motivation comes from taking on their athlete workouts. My favorite is Matthew Vanderpool. Fun is going full gas as he helps build your anaerobic capacity. These training plans have helped me find my best. There are workouts from Garant Thomas and Anna Vanderbregen, so every aspect of your riding can be tested, ready for summer. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.